Apostolos. He says his last name is Jones. I'm like, okay. Uh, I had some of my legal friends, private investigator, check you out. We're glad to have you here, Seth. Somebody grinded meat back there or something? I'm like, we're going to have hamburgers later? Or what the deal is that? Oh, we're on the air, all right, where are we? Oh, hallelujah, it's been a glorious service so far. We're just glad you're here today. And uh, we were just discussing the fact that the Angel series, which are five series, is now on YouTube. I want to tell you, you should listen to it if you want to know about angels. I'm not talking about spooky stuff. I'm talking about the real deal and what your Bible teaches about those kind of things. This morning, I'm going to go ahead and start, since I'm not going to be here two Wednesday nights in a row, I'm going to go ahead and fit those, I'm going, to, I'm going to use those, that time, that allotted time that I normally would have on Wednesdays, and I'm just going to use it today. So if you're in a hurry to leave, you're going to have to get the, the lock code from me, and I'm busy right now, so you're kind of stuck here. I've I got to tell you something this morning. I prepared a little Christmas sermon for you. And I know that you know that I don't preach sermons, but I got a little Christmas sermon for y'all. And I, titled, I even gave it a title today, Just Who Was That Baby in That Manger? So are y'all ready to, I mean, I think some of y'all could use a little mistletoe therapy here this morning, that's what I think. And uh, so I want you to say this, and let's prepare your heart. I'm here to learn. And say, I'm capable of learning. My salvation depends on me learning. Yahweh has a purpose for me. That's probably why I met you, Johnny. I, I got to tell you this story right quick. I was, I was, before I played golf the other day, I was putting and chipping, and this guy came over to me, and he, he began to discuss things with me, you know, and he, I found out he was from Kentucky. And I said, that's a lie. You ain't from Kentucky. He said, what do you mean? I said, if you were really from Kentucky, you, would say, you wouldn't say I'm from Kentucky. You would say I'm from Kentucky. And some of you get that all right. Anyhow, so he began to talk to me about all this, and he wanted to talk about the politics and all that. I said, let me ask you one thing, sir. We're the only two out here on this putting green. You just moved here from Kentucky. I happen to be here at this time in this place. Why do you think we really met? Is there something deeper than us to discuss politics? Because I don't normally do that. I said, could it be that your eternal destiny may be in the hands of you crossing my path today? Because it, it's unlikely that you're going to meet anybody like me. Now, I know some people said that about me before, but they did it from a negative aspect. But there's who would know this gospel? Maybe, you, maybe this is the only reason you happen to be here at this time. It could be the whole reason that you moved your whole family from Kentucky here, just so you can have a, an appointment with me today. I said, I think that's something you need to seriously consider. Did you go to kindergarten with me just so down the road God knew that you would know me and that relationship would give you an opportunity to at least consider and hear the gospel? Oh, I believe God works and, and manipulates us who he has called. But remember this, he's called many, but he's only going to choose a few. So this morning, I want you to say, I have a purpose. And I want you to know that this house has a purpose. And that purpose is to fill the, the earth with his glory by a generation of people and ecclesia who do his will and who will reflect his character. Remember we talked about the character spirit. Instead of calling it the Holy Spirit, 
I taught that, I think, the last two weeks. And I want you to know that I'm not here to just inspire you today. I just don't want to just encourage you. I don't want to just motivate you. What I want to do is change who you are and from the very core of inside, from the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Divide asunder between the joints and the marrow of who we are. What I like to do is cow tipping. How many of you know how spiritual that is? You know what cow tipping is? Cow stands up, he supposedly sleeps, standing up, and you sneak up on him and you can tip him over while he's sleeping. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I never wanted to walk in a pasture with cow patties in the dark. I'm just telling you, that's, where, that's me. But what I'm going to do today, I'm going to go cow tipping. But I'm going to, again, tip sacred cows. And I pray that you have the ears to hear. Now, most of us, I've taught this to most of us, but I'm declaring this because I want people to know who, just who that baby was that was in that manger because I think we've been misinformed. I take that back. I don't think that. I know it. And I'm going to start off by saying Acts 4.12. The Bible says that there, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When I read that scripture and it says there may be another, there might be a nickname, there may be an alias, there may be something, but the Bible says that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. No other name. I had a, you know, I believe this. If you really know God and he knows you, the first thing you're going to know is what his name is. But we've been robbed of that. I asked a man one day, he, I said, do you really believe that the Hebrew parents of the Hebrew Messiah who were under the Mosaic law at that time, they lived in a totally Hebrew society who got pregnant without ever having intercourse with a man and who was told by an angel what to name their son, the Messiah. Do you think for a minute that they would ever name him Billy Wayne? you think for a minute they would give him a non-Hebrew name and they would give him this Greek name? There is none other name. The fact is, modern Christendom can't even get Yeshua's name right. And I am certainly not going to trust them with anything else, especially my eternal destiny. This morning, I've got a word for you, Deborah. After our conversation Friday night, what I said, what my wife said, and what you said, I believe this is a word for you. And that is, there's... Deborah in the Bible, Deborah was a prophetess, and she was a great leader during the time of the judges and in the book of Judges. And if that's where your faith is and what you are aspiring and that you believe that's what God's saying to you, I'm, I'm not touching that. But what I'm going to declare to you is something today, because there were two Deborahs in the Bible. The Deborah I just referred to is really the second Deborah, but the first Deborah in the Bible was in the book of Genesis, chapter 35, verses 1 through 15. It's a small story. Deborah was the nursemaid, suckling maid for Rebecca. And it was interesting to me that, that this woman, this nursemaid of Rebecca, died. And she was buried under an oak tree. And that oak tree was just below Bethel. These are big words for me. Bethel, house of God. The word also means a place of refuge. It means a place of divine encounter because that's what happened when Jacob went there. 
But Elijah went there and Elisha. So this Deborah, this nursemaid, was died and was buried south or outside below, it says below is what it is, of, of the city of Bethel. And the word and the name of that oak tree is this, listen. The oak of tears or the oak of weeping. And this is what I believe Yahweh said to me as I prayed for you this week. That your name is Deborah. And that this is the end of your weeping. And that you've arrived in Yahweh's house just below Bethel. His place of refuge and his place of divine encounter for, for you and him. And oh, by the wake, by the wake, welcome to the city of Oak. Amen. I hope you can receive that today. All right, let's get back. How many of you believe that today, uh, that, that the Bible is the inspired word of God? How many of you believe that? I want you to raise your hand. If you're not sure, don't do it. Johnny, I'm a Christian. I'm a Bible-toting, Bible-believing I believe the Bible, every word for God from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revolutions. Hallelujah, I believe it all. Well, let's see. Because it's been my experience that people don't want to believe the Bible. The Bible says that the traditions of men, the traditions of men, make the truth and the word of God of no effect. i got to stop just a minute before I get into this too big. I'm glad to have our Marine here this morning. We're proud of you, bro. We love you. Look sharp, man. I need to get a picture of me and you. Congratulations. He'll be here about nine days, and he's going to be sent to California. And I want you to go down there and straighten those people out while you're down there. Will you do that? Can you have an amen for that? You would take, take a platoon with you. The simple picture of the Scriptures presents to us a picture of who this baby, that baby in that manger, really was. Now, what I'm going to do, and I don't normally do this a lot, but I'm going to, I'm going to go through this pretty quick. <laughs> so you all know I don't usually do anything pretty quick. But I want you to know that I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture. And if you don't get it, you can watch it on YouTube. You can get it on our podcast. You can take notes. But I'm going to give you some Scriptures. And I'm going to tell you what your Bible, the one you have right there in your, in your iPhone, <laughs> And I know some of y'all are playing games while y'all I'm preaching. I know that. But I'm just glad you're here. But just don't yell if you win, okay? Luke 2.7. He was born a babe. Luke 2.52. He increased in wisdom. Hebrews 5.8. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Hebrews 4.15. He was in all points tempted like we, as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 5.7. He offered up prayers and and supplications, listen to this, with strong cryings and tears unto him. He, was, he, he offered prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared death. So for me to honestly harmonize that, just those few things there, and I'm not done, i got to tell you something. I can do this, I can teach every night on a, for a week easily, or every day on a, for this subject. But I know people won't endure it, because people really don't care about studying the Bible. They'd rather you just tell them what they believe. What do I believe now? How I many years ago we had Joel tell you, a guy came to my office with, this is back in the cassette tape days. He brought me this big stack of, I think there were maybe one, maybe two, with rubber bands around these cassette tapes. And he didn't agree with me with what I preached about the tithe, even though I showed him what the Bible says. He said, I said, well, tell me what you believe then. 
About a week later, he came back with a set of cassette tapes by some preacher, and he put them on there, and he said, this is what I believe. I said, well, could you just tell me? <laughs> I mean, those are 90-minute cassettes. To fit the idea that this baby, that baby that was in that manger, was this omnipotent, omniscient, co-equal, co-eternal with Yahweh, I just... When I started reading it for myself, and I didn't accept necessarily, and when I left the denomination, because see, when you're in a denomination, you, you kind of got pressure to, to promote their product. If you don't, they will fire you. They will give you the left foot of fellowship. It just don't fit. If you are an honest person who really believes the Bible, and you're going to base your beliefs on your Bible, even if your mama don't agree. Even if your daddy don't agree. Let me tell you what. There's nine requirements to be a disciple. The first three, you've got to hate everything, everybody, and even your own life, or you cannot be a disciple. You, you, like Abraham, he had to leave his father's country. And if we regard Yeshua as personally existing and possessing all power and wisdom before his scripturally recorded birth as a baby, then what we do, we are simply denying the actual reality that he was born and one, that he had to increase in wisdom. How can God increase in wisdom? He was, he was God, Johnny. Well, that's, that's a deeper subject, but most people don't have an understanding, not only who that baby in the manger is and was, but they don't even know who God is to the point they don't even know his name. I had a guy tell me the other day, yeah, yeah, Johnny, I, I, I go to church. Yeah, I go to church. I said, what church do you go to? It's called the, uh, the, something, the, the, it's right over there on 60th. He said, do you know my pastor? I said, I don't know. I mean, what's his name? It's Reverend, uh, uh, uh. I said, dude, you don't go to church. You don't know your, you don't know your preacher's name? Come on, man. Come on. You don't know your God's name. Well, probably because 7,000 times, over 7,000 times in your Bible, the name Yahweh is there. But guess what? Some religious people hid it from us and called him the Lord. Every time you see the words the and the Lord in capital, that's really the name Yahweh. To not know the name Yahweh means you don't know the way to salvation. Psalm 147 verse 5 declare that Yahweh's, God's understanding is infinite. You don't have to learn and grow in understanding. He already knows everything. Is it not then a denial of all the meaning of the language of the Scriptures to say that a co-equal component of this God who knows everything, He's omnipotent, He's all-knowing, omniscient, and He's all... What's the third one? Thank you. Increased in wisdom as He grew from a baby to manhood to say that a component of the part of the one God that is broken up in which is multi-gods, even though the Bible says there's only one God. You know, they, we, have to, we have been deceived to believe that there's many gods, modern Christian, mainly three, that he became this helpless baby. And, his, and, and I'm going to tell you, I found out that the, the Scriptures does not require me to believe that. And I'll tell you why, because I can find it nowhere in the Bible. Now, I haven't done this in a dark room somewhere. I've begged men of God and men who had PhDs and doctorates of theology. And, and if this qualifies, I'm going to tell you, I don't care how big a church is. I don't qualify. That means they know anything. And I was like, please, somebody, please tell me the truth. Because I'm fixing to get up here and preach something that, that I don't hear many people say. My thing is, she won. 
She won. Is God inseparable? Can you separate God from his power? Can you separate him from his wisdom? Are not infinite power and all knowledge inseparable from who and what God is? He asked me in my denomination to believe that God changed himself into this powerless, ignorant, helpless creature. What, what happened to his power? What happened to his wisdom? Did he or did he not continue to possess his eternal attributes? That's the question. There's many things that are recorded about Yahshua in the Bible, who that baby in that manger was, that just cannot be made to fit with the idea that he was an all-powerful, all-knowing God, that he was a part of a, a component of an a equal group of gods, mostly popularized in three. Listen to this, Luke 4, 1 and 2. And this is what I ask you to do. Just use your brain. Just use your brain. Let's take the scriptures for what they say, because the Bible really isn't complicated till somebody complicated it. You know what? I remember when, when I was in high school, in my 11th and 12th grade year, I could have taken algebra and calculus. But they said, there's an option here. I said, what is that? Basic math one and modern math one. Well, what is modern math? If it's like English and it uses letters, I don't want to do it. I don't know how to do math using the alphabet. That's not math, that's English. I mean, that's back them days, you know. I said, I know I could do it, but the reason that algebra was so difficult, and I'm like, uh, Miss Stone got any more desks empty in her room? It's because I did not know the formulas. So I say, I was just, I didn't know the formulas. I was ignorant. So it made math difficult. And that's what's happened to us in America and it didn't happen just in America. Modern Christian, the greatest crime in history was the hijacking of the truth. And I'm exposing it. And I'm helping to bring us back to the place and restore the true gospel that was preached by the prophets, the apostles, and the Lord himself. Listen to this, Luke 4.1. Yahshua was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted, 40 days tempted of the devil. What does it say? He was tempted for 40 days. You got it? Hebrews 2.18. He himself hath suffered being tempted. He was tempted 40 days, and his temptation caused him to suffer. I'm not reading anything into that. How about Luke 2.28? Ye have continued with me in my temptations. Now, remember, I can go in deep depth. I'm skipping across the lake this morning, hoping to whet somebody's appetite and stir those people that Yahweh has placed in my path and placed me in their path and to spark something in them that they can find out, hey, I want to know the truth. And maybe I am your spiritual father. Maybe I am your apostle. We need to find out. Look at the book of James. All right, I told Reggie those, just those simple scriptures. James 1.13, I want you to throw it up there for me, and I'm going to talk fast today, and I'm not trying to sell anything, okay? Let me read what the Bible says. For God cannot be tempted. For God cannot be tempted. So here Yeshua is being tempted. That baby that was in that manger, as he grew, he became a man, and he was tempted 40 days, and the, tempt the temptations caused him to suffer. Are you with me? It's impossible for me to conceive how this all-wise, all-powerful God can be tempted to sin when the Bible says in James that God can't be tempted. Hmm. Do you know and do you believe that God cannot sin? Isn't that, a, isn't that a belief that most of us know? We believe God. People say, I don't know, man, I'm God. No, God cannot sin. But here we have 
God in the form of a human who, are you telling me he has the propensity to sin? And this is what my friends tell me. Oh, no, 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 no. Really? No, he could not have possibly sinned because he was God in the flesh. So they deny the reality of being tempted and his greatness of overcoming temptation. Let me tell you something. Yeshua was tempted. God cannot be tempted. You can't have both. And my thing has always been this. So wait a minute. What you're telling me? You ever seen those little mimmies and all these little kids say, so what you're telling me? Mimis, what do you call them? Memes, whatever, memes. We got memes all over the place. It's spelled M-E-M-E. Where I'm from, that's Mimi. All right? I don't know where y'all from. Meme. Y'all know my point. So I'm sitting there. Wait a minute. Yahshua is this great person. Came down to earth. And he gets to put in the wilderness. And he gets tempted. But he can't sin. <laughs> he can't be tempted. But he's tempted. But he can't be tempted. I'm like, I can do that. I can be tempted if I can't be tempted. It's like some of y'all never had rutabagas before. I can't tempt you with rutabagas. I can tempt you with it, but you'll never be tempted because you can't be tempted. I got too deep for some of y'all right there just with the word rutabagas, see? So what are you saying? I don't think it's a big deal. What's so great about Yahshua if he suffered? He didn't suffer being tempted if he what, couldn't be tempted. Big deal. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I believe what it does, it denies the reality of the, what a great, great human he was. The first of the first creation, the firstborn of many. The only one in heaven receiving eternal award so far. Eternal life. Man, I'll tell you something. As a man, to resist temptation and to never have sinned, I worship him. You the one. <laughs> Because I know I have been tempted. I've suffered through temptations. Guess what? And I can be tempted. How about you? He was a man of like passions. He was tempted in all manners as we. But guess what? He did not himself. He is the captain of my salvation. That's who that baby was in that manger. Let's look at this. This is what he said. Okay, if he's God in the sense that now we, is he God? Yeah, he's God, son of God. And guess what? We, you and I have been invited to be Godlike, or have godliness or to be part of the God family. So in the same sense, we are part of God because God is multitudinous. See, there is one, only one uncreated one who was in the beginning, who spoke the Logos. And when he spoke that word, the Logos word became flesh because and that, that manifestation of that spoken word, not the man or the person, Yahshua, but the the Logos of God spoke, and that, the result of that was this child, this baby, this human, who was special because he had the Spirit of God. He, was, he, he didn't have an earthly father, therefore he didn't in, inherit past sin, but he had every potential to sin, but he didn't. How can you tell me that I'm degradating Joshua? He said, man, you're causing, you're slandering Jesus. I said, when you call him Jesus, you're slandering I said, but let me tell you this, I'm worshiping and praising him for how great he is. Listen to this. Okay, okay. John chapter 5, verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing. Really? You're God? 
And you can't, you're, you're an equal part of some, some three-part or whatever people may believe. I believe most people, a lot of people think there's five. It's not a trinity, it's five. What is that, a quintuplet? Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Mary, Satan. And many times, Satan has become bigger than all of these. Brother Johnny, would you pray for me? Satan's come against me. Pray for my loved ones. Satan is attacking them. I, we all pray. We get everybody in the world to pray. We fast along, and they die. Satan must have won. Now, hear what I'm saying. I know I'm, I'm facetious. I found out, I think facetious might have been a Greek scholar. <laughs> facetious say. <laughs> That'd be a good message right there, wouldn't it? Facetious, facetious say. This is Yahshua speaking. This is what he's saying. I can't do anything on my own. But if you're God... I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father. It's perfectly understandable in the light of the scriptures, scriptural picture of that man who was in that, that cradle was a man who was totally dependent upon the one true uncreated God, which the Bible says, uh, I can't tell you how many times, thousands, there's only one God. One God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Yeshua. What a distinction that is. It's perfectly understandable. This guy was totally dependent upon God because he said, I can't do anything on my own. But don't run from the clear testimonies, but let's today reverently ponder, let's seek guidance of the truth about who that baby in that manger really was. John 14, 28. Watch this. My father is greater than me. <laughs> Excuse me, I. Wait a minute. What did he say? Well, me and my dad, we're equal, you know, uh, we're, we're co-owners. My father is greater than me. If we believe the Bible, we can't believe the man-made doctrine that Yahshua somehow was, is co-equal with Yahweh or the father. How can there be a son without first being a father? The father is preeminent above the son because he existed before. Otherwise, you can't call him father. Is that so simple we can't get it? whole record of the Bible and the Gospels, the plain, literal record of the life and the sayings of that baby that was in that manger is indirect and, and, and has a continuous variance against the doctor, doctrine that Yahshua is some pre-existing equal, equal God. How could this co-equal theory be more denied than the words that Yahshua said, my father is greater than me? Can black mean white? I could give you, I could go here, like I said, a week telling you how Yahshua, this human man who was anointed by God, by the, the, the full measure of the Spirit, truly fought against sin. He truly overcame the real enemy, the carnal mind. He truly had to learn and develop just like we are having to learn and develop. He truly prayed to God, the one true God that was greater than him. What? He wasn't just pretending in the wilderness to be tempted. Oh, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, you know what I mean? I mean, that's my picture I get. I mean, he can't be tempted, so he's pretending. Oh, thou shalt worship, worship the Lord thy God, you know. Oh, don't put the bread, don't tempt me with bread. Oh, I'm starving. I don't want to see that on video. I'm not watching today. If we accuse the whole gospel record of 
That we'd have to accuse it of being the deception and a cruel mockery of this man, Yahshua, the man that was born in that manger. Of, it would be cruel mockery of him, of his real weakness. And a human man's real and bitter struggle against sin. Oh, yeah. He didn't just skip around. I'm God. Nothing can bother me. How can he be held forth as our example? Or what the Bible calls the way. And our incentive to overcome temptations. And our hope and belief that the weakness of our flesh can be overcome. For all the time, he's really an all-powerful, unattemptable, co-equal God. I had, I had, I've, had, I've all, uh, invited people to come to our church, you know. A lot of the guys I golf with, you know, they, they're curious. They're curious. They want to know this, that, you know, they want to know stuff. So many of them have come. So I had one guy come one time, and uh, he says he's a Catholic. I, I tell you, I have a friend, I hope he's listening, who told me, first time I met him, he told me he was a Mormon. Because I've started, you know, I started softening him up, you know. And he's telling me, I'm a Mormon. I said, I don't think so. He said, why well, you say that? I said, pull your pants down. He said, do what? Pull your pants down. If you ain't got on that Mormon underwear, you ain't a no Mormon. He laughed. You're right. I ain't a Mormon. <laughs> My mama was or something like that. My daddy was. I, That's what I thought. So this guy, he's a, I'm a Catholic. I mean, you ain't no Catholic. But I brought him, I brought him to church. He married a Southern Baptist girl from here. He, he was from Cincinnati, moved here. Long story short, he came to church. So we went to lunch afterwards, because I'm always on the clock. We get there, and I forget what message I preached. It's had something, I mentioned something about this. And she's like, so I'm talking, I'm said, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sad that, you know, uh, Yahshua just don't know, know everything. What'd you say? I said, she said, uh, I said, Yahshua don't know everything. I said, he don't even know when he's coming back. <laughs> just joking. What do you say that for? I said, well, I'm just telling you what the Bible, your, your Bible says. I think this one's even in the Catholic Bible. Or the Southern Baptist version might have it. <laughs> Mark 13, 32 says this. I want you to consider these passages. I'm not trying to sell you. I want you to believe the Bible. And if you're not going to believe the Bible, quit saying you're a Christian. Be something else. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven. Yep, yep. Neither the Son but the Father. Yep, yep. Oh, wait a minute. Do you know that Yahshua don't even know when he's coming back? So how can he be at the right hand of the Father, all equal in everything, and the Father is holding that back from him? It just isn't fair. Facetious say. I'm going to work that to death. Do you know that to be God, you have to be omniscient, omnipotent, and the other one, <laughs> omnipotent, all-powerful, all all-knowing, and all-omnipresent. Thank you, my brother. Omnipresent. He's like, hey, what's your, what? He don't even know when he's coming back. What's this? 1 Corinthians 15, 21. For since by man came death, we're talking about Adam. A man died, and we all got death on us. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. We're talking about Yahshua. Adam, Yahshua, man, man. Do you hear me? The difference between Yahshua and Adam is Yahshua 
was the Holy Spirit was spoken and hope and and uh, the seed was planted in her and brought life to Yeshua in dirt. What dirt? Do you know that we were created from dirt? And Mary was just dirt in the truest form. Same thing with Adam. Adam and Yeshua were the same. Man, sin came, and by man all, came also the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, guess what? And that man all die. In Christ, though we should all be made alive. And how, what do we know? 1 Corinthians 15, 21. But every man in his order, every man, he didn't say God first, God man first, God. He said every man in his order. Let's listen to the order. What man first? Christ, the first fruit. Second, afterwards, those that are resurrected when Yahshua, the man, returns. I can go on with that, you know. It's talking about uh, uh, Romans 5, 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. Guess what? And by the obedience of one man shall many be made righteous. Not by God coming from heaven to be made righteous. A man screwed us up and a man's delivered us. Hallelujah. What a great man. How in the world can you be equal to somebody that you're rendering obedience to? You don't, you don't obey somebody. Well, unless you're married. And besides that, that, to obey somebody implies this distinction, this subjection of or obeyer to the obeyed. Listen to this one. It says, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. Here is Yahshua talking and applying the command of God to who? Yahweh's talking to him. What's Yahweh saying? Man shall not live by bread alone. He's talking to himself as a man who is responsible to God, owed obedience to the one true only God. Look, man, look, you're a man. You don't live, but you don't live by bread alone. Listen to this one. Even more striking answer in the third temptation there. It says, it is written, thou shalt worship Yahweh thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If we're equal partners in this thing, but you're going to worship me and you're going to do what I say and obey me. That ain't equality. Can y'all get me this morning? Who was that baby in that manger? I want you to tell you. It's the most wonderful human being that was ever born. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he's made a way for us and shown us how we can overcome the same way he did. He said, let me show you how to do it. And that's what he's done. I mean, I'm kind of skipping here. I like this one. This is interesting. Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Spirit, it's not going to be forgiven him. Did that ever bother you? That's Matthew 12. That always bothered me. So why could you speak against Yeshua, the Son of Man, the man, and not against the Holy Spirit, the force of God, God's power? Well, let me tell you why. Because he was a human. Mark 10 Verse 18, Yahshua said unto him, to the rich young ruler, Why thou call, why callest me good? Why? There is none good but one, and that is God. My God. How can you believe that he believed that he was God, or, or a co-heir, or, or some kind of trinity, or whatever your belief of multi-theistic, polytheistic theism. I'll get it. He's saying, look. Oh, no, 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 no. Because the word God, you know, that's, the word God came from the word good. You understand that? So what this rich young ruler was saying to him is like, look, wait, look, you're God. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. There is none God but one. And that is Yahweh. 
how can we just look over the, the facts of who that man, who, that, who was that baby in that manger, or whatever I titled it. Here is Yahshua, Matthew 20, verse 23. The disciples, a few of them got their mommy to go ask for a position. I'd like to have the job. Mommy, will you go ask them if I can have it? And Yahshua said, look, let me tell you something. Y'all, y'all confusing something here. To sit on my right hand is not mine to give. What? You mean you're equal and you can't even make that decision that who can sit on your right hand? He said, my, my father's the one who's going to make that call. It's limitation of Yahshua's prerogative and proof of his subjection to the one God. Here's one, Mark 6, 5. Now look at me. How many of you believe that God can do anything? That there's nothing impossible with God? Read it in the Bible. You believe it? Wave at me because I, you may not want to wave it because I'm fixing to get you. Can you put that up there? Mark 6, 5 said this. Here's Yeshua. And he could there do no mighty work. Just lay hands on a few sick folk and healed them. It didn't say he would not do it. Y'all hearing me? What did it say? He couldn't do it. Yahshua could not do a miracle. Whoa. I thought he could. You know what people tell me? That's because they didn't have enough faith. Okay. But don't you think God can do anything whether you have faith or not? Huh? Don't you think that? Okay, I'm, I'm, that's kryptonite. I've lost my superpowers here. We have doubt. You're doubt. Now, there's a concept of, that, of, of, of belief. Y'all know we've preached second bottle of the foundational principles. He could not. Here's another one. Matthew 26, 39. He prayed saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Wait. I thought y'all had the same wills. If they were equal, I would say, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But he couldn't say that. He could not let his will, which was contrary to the father's will. Otherwise, he'd say, I'm ready to do it. Let's do it. Let's get it on. Well, Johnny, that was his flesh. That's my point. Could never pray such a prayer if they were equal. It's meaningless for the one God to pray to himself and say, not my will, but thy will. But if both are part of the one God, and then there must be one will. So here he is praying to himself, talking to himself, you know, hey, uh, it's time to do this. Well, I don't want to do it. You want to do it? I mean, that's, too, that's like us. We got to make sure that our conception of Yahweh, our conception of what God is, is in harmony to what the Bible says. Otherwise, you're not a Christian. You're an American religious person. Who, who dabbles in church, probably a good moral person, which is, I think, a wonderful thing. These, is, these are what they taught me as a child in my life and what I've taught many of you for years is this incomprehensible theory. And I found out that it wasn't even in the Bible, but it was borrowed and, and pushed on the true church through Greek metaphysics. And what it really does is crushes all the beauty and all the meaning out of the life of this wonderful Savior, Redeemer, this faithful and obedient Son who truly overcame and submitted to the will of the one true God who was His Father. Beautiful, powerful. So to say that He wasn't a man, oh, He half man, half God, not in the Bible. You know the same Spirit that wrote, raised Him from the dead will quicken us? He's the example. How about this? Here's another one. John 5, 19, the son can do nothing of himself. John 5, 20, the father loveth the son and showeth him all things he doeth. I'm going to show you, son, how I do. Well, he should already know. Come on. The father has given the son to have life in himself. 
God is the one who gave Yeshua life. Nobody gives God life. It, it was from the very beginning, which there is none with him. And it was Yahweh who delegated and gave Yeshua any kind of authority that he had. Come here. Hey, you know who I am? He gave him authority. He commissioned him. He gave him work to do. I like this one. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 23. It explains what happens at the end. You know, let me just throw this in here now because I don't want to forget it. Somebody said, what does it matter? What it don't matter? Nothing matters. Amazing how what matters more to us in this life than eternal things. What matters? A lot of people don't put the spiritual eternal things first. It's going to tell us on that day it's going to be sad where we put Yahweh second. And it was a pretty good second. It was pretty good. Right there. You know, it was pretty good. But it wasn't first. And all this temporal bull that we find out is worthless and has no value whatsoever unless God himself breathes life into it. Otherwise, we can't enjoy it. We're depressed. We don't think anybody loves. We're paranoid. We are all of those things except righteousness, peace, and joy. The reason this matters is this. If you don't understand this, this is what you will think. God, Jesus, came down as a baby in the manger. He grew up and died on the cross so I could go to heaven and not hell. That's what you will believe because they tell us that every Sunday in pulpits all over the world, which is not even the purpose of God. I have challenged men, and of course without absent from the body, for them to misquote absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which is, they, that's a misquote. I call them Rodney Dangerfield preachers, one-liners. We've built our whole belief system out of one-liners where we've picked and chosen out of our denomination. And listen, I'm not being critical of these people. I love them. I'm trying to preach to them and be a light. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that you will die and go to heaven. Nowhere. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 3, verse 13, this is three verses right before John 3, 16, which I hope some of y'all at least know who that, what that is. Well, nowadays, people don't even know the Bible, really. But John 3, 16, this is what it says. No man has ascended into heaven. Well, this is all the whole Old Testament up to here. No man has ascended into heaven. When I saw that out of John 3, 16, I'm like, oh, my God. Why didn't I ever see that before? Why didn't it dawn on me? I was embarrassed. Well, what about Elisha? What about Elijah? What about, what about Enoch? What about Enoch, Johnny? Well, I can tell you Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 says he died. Well, I, never, I read Hebrews 11. That's what I'm saying. We have this cognitive lock, and we see things, and we can't see anything else, even if it's better. Nope. Nope. I'm, I love loyalty, but sometimes loyalty can be your worst enemy. And this is what I ask people to do. If you think I'm preaching heresy today about going to heaven, I would love for you to send me your notes and your teachings, and I would love to send you mine. That would be a great, a great trade-off. And I promise you, if you convince me that I'm wrong, I will get in front of this whole church and say I'm wrong. But i got to tell you, I would like to, that your deal with that too, that if you find out you're wrong, that you'll get in front of your church and tell them you were wrong. The fact is, I've already done that. And it's taken me hours and hours and hours and hours and, and to have to prove. I can't just get up and say, man, you're going to, when you die, you go to heaven. 
Be absent, be absent from the body. I had to say, wait a minute, how can this be true if it says to be absent from the body or whatever they throw at me? Because I threw it all at myself. My point is today is this. I'm not trying to be controversial. What I'm trying to be is liberating. At the resurrection, man, you got to, you know, the six foundational principles I taught on resurrection from the dead. Get the teachings. At the resurrection, what we know, Yeshua is going to return. And those that are dead will rise. Those that are alive and remain are going to be gathered together. I believe, I believe in Saudi Arabia, you know, I showed the pictures of where Mount of Moses, the real one, not the touristy one. You know, we, there's a place there. Anyhow, and then there's going to be a judgment. And what's going to happen in that judgment is this. You're either going to get a well done or depart from me. If you get a well done, at that point, you receive immortality. Because nobody has it yet. That's the, that's the number one teaching that you have a divine spark in you. You have this thing in you that's going to live forever. I said, well, it's interesting to me how Daladin can knock your spirit out. True? You know what Daladin is, man? I have the kidney stone. Give me Daladin, man. I'll tell you, my spirit, man, was asleep worse than me. He was knocked out just like me. I thought he'd be floating around. I can see it. We'll teach you. I got plenty of teachings on that. And what happens is you get immortality. Then eternal life. Because only one has immortality right now. Yahweh had it, but only one man. And that's Yahshua. And he says, do it. You can do it. If you get a depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Then you get thrown into the lake of fire. Let me tell you what that is. It is a metaphor. There is no real lake of fire. Oh, it must be on the sun. I don't know. You know what the first man who ever landed on the sun said? Ouch, 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 ouch. It's a metaphor for this. I'm trying to keep you all awake. It's a metaphor for this. And if you read two scriptures down from the scripture that from what I'm talking about Revelation, it says the lake of fire. And this is what it says, which is the second death. What does that mean? You get raised from the dead. You died the first death. You get raised from the dead. You get judged. You either have immortality or you get the second death. Nope, sorry, you didn't pass the test. You didn't put me first, you put you first. You put your car first, put your family first, put your clothes first. You put, you're, you're, you're first! And you can't do that. And they experience the second death. Then, for a thousand years, the Bible says, I'm not quoting Watchtower, because ignorant people, at least, at least the, the Jehovah Witnesses know there's going to be a thousand years. At least they know that. Don't agree with everything they say, for sure. But for a thousand years, we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And that's what we are doing right now. I am preparing people to rule and reign with Christ. I'm not preparing anybody to go to heaven. You know why? Because it's a waste of your time. He's going to come, and he, we're going to be kings and priests on the earth. I wrote a good song about it. We sang it today. Thou art worthy, Lamb, and we shall reign on a thousand years. And at the end of that, there's going to be another judgment. And when it's all said and done, and the last enemy is destroyed, which is what? Death. Because then nobody else will die because everybody who, who didn't experience the second death will have immortality, so death will be gone. And this is what's going to happen. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then cometh the end when he, Yahshua, shall have give, delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, and when all things shall be subject to him... Yeshua, then shall the Son all 
So be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Do you see that there is one God? And this man, this baby, how do, let me get the title of it. That baby that was in that manger was a man like Adam and like you and I who did the process. God is reward. God is well done. He will inherit the throne of David on the earth. And we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And at the end of that, when everything is made subject under Yahshua's feet as the king of the world, and he's going to come and destroy every social structure, every economic structure, and every political structure. I say, come on and clean house now. Ah, it's a beautiful day. This is the true gospel. It's the gospel of the kingdom. This is what was preached. This was the only hope. There is only one hope. This is it. Not dying and going to heaven. I hate to tell you this. It breaks my heart to tell people this, but your mama ain't in heaven. She's in the grave. And if you have questions about that, bring them. I want to help you. And then this is what Yahshua is going to do. He's going to give it all back to the one true God. That, and this is the purpose of God, that God be all and in all. It's called God manifestation. If you are being taught that Jesus died on the cross for you, number one, that ain't his name. And, and that name, if there's only one name, no other name that, where men can be saved, you might want to look into that. And then what's going to happen is we're going to rule and reign with him. And we're going to have this, this life with him. And we're going to experience that place in Christ. So we're being prepared for that moment. And if you believe that that baby came just to die on the cross, so you can't, I can't earn my salvation, I don't have to do anything for it, the Bible says only those who overcome and endure to the end will be saved. Salvation ain't a walk, one time walk down the aisle or saying, asking Jesus into your heart. But let me tell you one thing. If that's what you believe, if you believe that's who that baby in that manger was, then you'll never get a well done. So this morning, this is my little Christmas sermon. And I hope it blessed you. I hope it stirred you. I hope it, you learned because your salvation depends on learning. And I pray that your heart and mind is open enough. I mean, we're seeing all kind of corrupt things that we didn't know exist. Now they're being exposed and brought in light into this evil world. We're seeing it. I want to tell you something. There's something more evil and dark in the world of church. Wonderful, wonderful people who have been deceived. And the Bible says if we... And this is 1 Thessalonians, I'm quoting verse 4. It says, I mean chapter 4, it says that even the very elect would be deceived. And that God, if for, because they love not the truth, listen to what I'm saying. Then God himself brought a strong delusion upon them to make them believe a lie. God bless y'all.